On today's episode of Forks and Fangs, we walk through the haunting universe crafted by Galif Fajardo Einstein. Her stories take us through the lives of indigenous and Latinx characters based in Denver, Colorado. Kali weaves tales with threads of love, sex, family, and death. She brings us to the edge and forces us to hold our breath with each turn in every story. Sit with us as we share our favorite stories of Sabrina and Karina. Are you currently looking for a bookstore that has a great selection of books? Well, Kizzy's Books and More is that bookstore. Visit www.kizzy'sbooksandmore.com to purchase your next book for our book club. Use coupon code VULGARGENIUS to receive 10% off the subtotal of your first order. How you doing? Welcome back to another edition of Forks and Fangs. I am your co-host, Veronica, joined with the lovely... Hi, I'm Denny. And today, we are discussing our uh, November pick. Our November book of the month. It is Sabrina and Karina. Stories by Kali Fajardo Einstein. These were... um, this was a different type of book that we chose to read this go around because this one was full of short stories. Yeah, it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. All different, but connected. Um, it's It was a wonderful journey. Yes, it was. It was I learned really a lot. Book. This really... book came out this year or last, last year? Last year. Last year it was a National Book Award finalist. Yes. Um, and it weaves the stories of um, Latino and indigenous women that are based out of Denver, Colorado. Yes, it's specifically a town called Saguarita. Mm-hmm. So I guess that town is fictional. She made it up. But I'm sure these stories are based on lives of multiple people that she might have encountered or she might know. Or, or even... experience herself. Yep. Yeah. So um, with this particular book. We chose this book um, because this month is National um, Indigenous Heritage Month. Yes. (laughs) And for those who celebrate Turkey Day, um, you know, one thing to take into consideration is that this holiday was built out of false pretenses. Yes. A different narrative. It's a pilgrim's day. That came and so-called broke bread with the Native Americans so that they can get through the harsh winter. But um, what we know is, in turn, they massacred a a lot of people during that time. So, um, yeah, fuck those people (laughs) and their little hats and black and white clothing, Puritans, whatever. Um, but yeah, so in honor for this this uh, national observance, we decided that we would um, read these these short stories. Yeah. So we're going to talk about 
I think there was probably like maybe a total of twelve stories in in let all. Let me let me go back. I think there is there was there is. But we're only gonna talk about our um, our favorites and then the title, the cover story. I mean, every single story is our favorite. It is really something to write short stories, mm-hmm. cause you know if you write like a whole novel, like some parts can maybe be like eh. You know, because it builds up to something. Mm-hmm. But if you're writing short stories, I feel like it has to have, like, all that elements of a story condensed in one. It has to make sense. It has to be great. And... Hold other... your attention. Yeah. Because even though it might be short, you know, you're talking about maybe sometimes like a 30 to 40 page story. And you're wanting people to stay along on the yeah. journey. And we're doing this several times over in this book. And she perfectly nails it every single time. It's it's so good because she has this ability. Maybe because I like writers that has a little bit of lyricism mm-hmm. in their storytelling. Mm-hmm. But she can tell you how the sunlight hits the curtains and how it touches the face of the the protagonist. Mm. With like with flawlessness. I mean I tell I told it, but it's kinda like, you know. But she does up. it with such where you you're Grace. you're reading it, but it isn't like, you know. Sometimes people write and they describe every single thing. Yes, it's, it's unnecessary. And, and, ugh, yeah, I can't stand it. But she does it in a way where it really adds meaning and character to the story and what you're reading. It kind of almost paints a picture in your head, mm-hmm. and in your head, it's like now a Hulu TV show. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because this book, I I really hope that somebody buys the rights to be able to put it on television because I, I would watch this show me too it is it is funny it's sad it's happy like all you go you're gonna go through this roller coaster of emotions yeah with these stories so to let you all know you know this particular book the most common theme throughout the book outside of the um, ethnicity of the people is that death is involved in every single story some kind of way. Yeah, I think even in the at the end of the book, there's, you know, like kind of like discussion stories mm-hmm. uh, for people to, you know, in, in terms of book clubbing, like what we do. <laughs> um, she wants to relate that in her culture, beauty and death is kind of almost parallel. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's, you know, and it's kind of like life and death. But she, life to her is beauty. And that's what she had these women go through. This was their lives. Um, and I think the most beautiful out of all of them, the her her depiction of beauty, um, is the cover story, which is um, Sabrina and Karina. So let's go ahead and just start talking about Sabrina and Karina. Yeah, so these are cousins. That Sabrina and Karina are cousins. They're both Cordovas. They grew up in Saguarita in Colorado. And for the for the entirety of their like I guess their childhood, Sabrina and Karina were always like together. Mm-hmm. They were the closest among the cousins. Sabrina, um they say is the most exotic because they're like, oh, you know, she has this like blue eyes. Um, from her Anglo dad, mm-hmm. and but her skin is like, um, is her skin like also white? But she she looked different out of everybody else. Mm-hmm. 
and Karina looked more like of a Cordoba. Um, I guess a, a little bit more of like the Hispanic Native American side. Mm -hmm. So what struck me the most out of all of this is like it starts when <laughs> when um, Karina's grandma was like, um, I received a call from my grandmother and she said strangled and I had to and she repeated it I think four times more mm -hmm. and I'm just like wait what 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 <laughs> yeah so we find out that her <laughs> her cousin is has been killed yeah and um she goes to her grandmother's house um you know to meet with the family as you would normally do mm -hmm. uh, gather with the family when someone has passed away and um her grandmother asked her to go to um the, the mortuary because she wants her to do the makeup yep mind you she works for like um she works for like a department store yep. doing makeup for a living and she yeah because she has a degree and everything mm -hmm. for that but she was kind of like are you asking me to do the makeup of like my dead cousin and she was like no like she's like no i'm not doing it grandma but then, you know, if anybody here grew up with grandparents and in the culture where she gives you a look and you're like, hell no, you're going to do it <laughs> with just one look. That's what's basically Sabrina. I mean, yeah, um, Karina's grandmother gave her like, no, you're going to do this for me because I told you you have to do this. So when she when she got there, she looked at her her cousin and and how Kali described this was like, you know, I I see all I see dead people because I work in a hospital. Mm -hmm. But how she described it was really like, I feel like I saw I saw it in my own eyes. It's mm -hmm. like, it, it's almost um, like true. Mm -hmm. Like the face was swollen, the neck was swollen because she was strangled. So her like her neck had like these marks that basically um, Karina has to hide. Mm -hmm. And then from from when she was working on her cousin, we unfold um, their story of what happened to them a couple years back. Yeah, because they were really close growing up when they were younger. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it became to a point where they were starting to not see each other as they much because apart. Sabrina was becoming the type of person that you would just, you know, is going out all the time. She's drinking. She's with people that she shouldn't really be mm -hmm. having relationships with that aren't healthy relationships. Yeah, it started when she dropped off of school because mm -hmm. she wanted to get a job and she became like a server, mm -hmm. like in a bar. And um, the last time that Sabrina and Karina were together, it was, uh, Sabrina had come to her asking her, she, you know, it, my birthday's coming up. She wanted to go out for her birthday. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they had made plans. And unfortunately, Sabrina didn't show up for her own birthday That she plans. asked, that she asked Karina mm -hmm. to plan for her. And uh, when she does eventually show up to Sabrina's house, it's like past midnight, mad early in the morning. Wasted. And fucked up totally like disregards the fact that she had her cousin waiting for her mm. and Karina was like I'm done with this bullshit you can you can go you can yep. go and they ha they have a huge fight 
mm-hmm. and that's like the last time they actually spoke you know at that type of level before she dies but she recalls after you know going to the mortuary and putting on the makeup she recalls seeing her again at a at a party with this guy that is probably the one that killed her probably and um you know just kind of having like kind conversation you could tell it was kind of like they still they missed each other but they They love each other that it wasn't it wasn't going to be the same Mm -hmm. since that argument that they had but what she has done with this story and all the other stories was she's you have the main character and then they have like this shadow person that mm-hmm. you know reflects what they're going through mm-hmm. and vice versa so you have two people always within the story that they're telling yeah um but in this story in particular you know you have the the two cousins mm-hmm. and that they're so close that they even share a same memory of they think that one of them was that they were the person that got bit by uh or stung by a stung bee stung by a bee <laughs> And so they're having this argument about who... All the time. Who really got bit. Yeah. <laughs> but that's how close those two were. Mm-hmm. Um, that they even shared the same memories. But the way that she writes, you know, Karina, just going through life, you know, becoming that cousin where who's got a really nice job. Mm-hmm. It, it might not be, like, the best job but she in got terms job. of what people would think Mm -hmm. but you know for considering where her family is and what they're all doing you know it was a big deal that she's gone to school and she's doing makeup she's graduated she's actually earning money where you have sabrina who a lot of people thought was gonna go far because she was just so beautiful Mm -hmm. unfortunately went in the opposite direction and you just see those lives like intertwine and come apart at the Mm -hmm. same time um to the point where, you know, now she has to say her last goodbye to her cousin at the funeral home. It it was a really of all I think of all of the stories, I think this one was probably the the saddest yeah, to the, read and to me like the most like vivid mm-hmm. out of all of them. I mean, all of them are, mm-hmm. but um it's really always like when I would think about this book, it would always I would always go to that part of like um you know, Sabrina is beautiful but at the end of her life Karina was like she just really wanted to be seen mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. she was never cause like her beauty just kind of like got in the way of people seeing who she really was mm-hmm. so internally she kind of like self-destruct yeah and she allowed people to do that to her like she's one of you know it's been portrayed in movies all the time but when you think about it there's really people like this that are really gorgeous, beautiful, but why are they kind of like just wasting their life away? Mm-hmm. And just mm-hmm. getting drunk, being with different men, and almost having no self-respect for themselves. Yeah. And I think what she also has done is a lot of the women in these stories tend not to have like a parent. Mm-hmm. The parent has either died early or the parent left, left them at an mm-hmm. early age or before they were born. Mm-hmm. So it really shows the importance of what family means mm-hmm. um, and to one's life mm-hmm. in the absence of that of that parent and what could happen to children to children when they're growing up and having to make decisions. Um, it, th- I think that 
there were, you know, she she ties all of these stories because every now and then you'll see something pop up and you're like, oh, this was mentioned in the previous story. Like yep. one that you read not too long ago where they go to visit a grave site and yeah. you go and visit Sabrina's grave site. You know, yep. she makes mentions of it. But they they don't say like they knew each other. Nope. She's just reading the names off the grave site. Mm-hmm. Um, so her ability to be able to keep all of these stories connected. But not really. <laughs> but not really, but really mm-hmm. was really... It was so satisfying. Yeah. It was really, really satisfying. Because it's not, you know, it's not... It's not trash. Like, every single one of these are kind of, like, little gems that you're collecting. Mm-hmm. I thought of it, like, as a Happy Meal. Like, you gotta collect 11, <laughs> 11 Happy Meals to complete the train. That's how this <laughs> this book feels like. Because if you remove one story, it would kind of feel a little, like, eh. Mm-hmm. Like, every story addresses some sort of um, struggle that um, Latinx and American... Um, Native Americans have to endure, whether it is whether it is to be gentrification, um, poverty, alcoholism, um, drug abuse, parents not being there, um, and them not having enough education. It and then you know the positive side of it is like there's always this grandmother, there's always this auntie, there's always this person who would want to preserve the culture and this family and this like lifestyle that these people have Mm -hmm. or what it's left of it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um you know this is probably not the only place here in america that these stories are happening Mm -hmm. but it's just you know it's heartbreaking to read this but it's also very educational like it puts into perspective you know we see all the different, I guess, not really, ab- well, we can say abuse, but <laughs> all the, di- I guess, you know, the disadvantages of being a minority in this country. Mm-hmm. But when you come to realize that these people have been here the longest, and yet they still, they still are suffering. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about Native American culture and all the things that they've gone through ever since, um, people from Europe came mm-hmm. and quote unquote discovered America. the Americas. Um, you know, it's one of the most forgotten genocides to ever take place oh, yeah. on the on the planet. Mm-hmm. Like they wiped out, you know, so many different um, tribes of people, mm-hmm. you know, that existed in in this country. So to be able to still have some still thriving and living and trying to continue on with the traditions of their of their lives and and for them to be seen you know it is easily it's easily one of the most forgotten it is the most forgotten um, group of people um, in this country and so for her to be able to give us a gift of us you know getting somewhat a pinprick of yeah in touch of you know what life was and is for some people um i think it is really important it's also important to read books that tell stories of things that you probably would not have ever picked up mm-hmm. or had interest in reading cuz like this i would have probably never picked this book up um but i think it 
once finishing it, it made me realize like there are thousands of stories oh, yeah. that need to be read um, to enrich like and to enrich my my shelf, my personal shelf, mm-hmm. for me to have a more idea, uh, a more diverse understanding of what our our world looks like, yeah. right? Um, that it's not always just black and white. That it's a, it is an expansion of so many different groups of people who are all enduring injustices, and that yeah. you know it's really important that when we are talking about. Um, the injustices of that that people are dealing with that it's not just one group that we have to focus in on that we have to stand up for every everybody mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so i think that's what she 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 definitely does a good job of like bringing forth um mm-hmm. to the reader one other story in there i can't remember the name of it but um oh i think it's called Ch- cheeseman park Yes, Cheeseman Park. What's about what about Cheeseman Park? Cheeseman Park. Is that the one about the t- the the two children whose mom No, that is Julian Julian's Place. Oh, Julian's Place. Okay. I, okay. I also love that story. Oh, Plaza. Plaza. That's right. That place. that story Plaza. was good because I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that story was good because it dealt with the the medical system that we have, our healthcare system in America, how yeah. bad it is. I almost picked that as like you know one of my other favorites. That one, that one was good. But she mm-hmm. is able to do that with every single story of like, mm-hmm. this is why the system is broken. You know, this is what gentrification is doing to oh, communities yeah. and um, like yeah, the healthcare system for like Native American people that can't really afford a lot of things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. It shows you how rotten, not really broken, but just rotten, mm-hmm. on on how this foundation of this country became. Like you, you have this like, you know, promise after promise of like, oh, we're gonna change the system. Oh, it's gonna be better. But at the core of it, it's these, it's these people that are really suffering, mm-hmm. that don't have a lot, and they, you know, they live on kind of like the. Not on the best side of the neighborhood, which is, I think it's the west side. Mm -hmm. And that's where all kind of like the Native American, the Latinx people live. Um, And it's sad because on all the other parts of this, like, of like Denver or Colorado, um, all the white people have come in and they're basically buying up everything. And And changing the names of the neighborhood. Yep. And that really, that might be a minute detail, but that says a lot. Mm-hmm. That that symbolism right there is colonization mm-hmm. and what colonization does to, to communities and to people that have lived in that area for a long time. Because they would say like, oh, you know, the, the white, the Anglos, that's how she refers it to. Mm-hmm. The Anglos call it highlands or like, you know, some highlands, mm-hmm. but to us, it's the north side. Because... That's and with the Highlands, it's a different. I guess it's a, dif- a different narrative of what the Highlands is. But if you call it the North Side, you know what the North Side really is from mm-hmm. way back, mm-hmm. and the people that actually lived there, yeah, and what it looked like, what it used to be, yeah. So you chose what was it, Galapagos? I chose Galapagos. Mm-hmm. I had a hard time choosing because I'm a Libra. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I always choose and unchoose, and uh, <coughs> it's it's a hard life, y'all. <laughs> so I chose this. Um, besides Sabrina and Karina, the first line of this was the day before Perla Ortiz killed a man. She had a she had lunch with her granddaughter Elena, and I'm just like, what? What did Perla Ortiz do? <laughs> killed who? And what? Granddaughter? She had grandma? She killed somebody? So I had I had a lot of questions. Well, let me ask this question uh, before we go into what the story really is about. Did you think that the story was, when it said that she killed someone, did you think it was something totally different than what you read? Absolutely. I could never, I could never predict where her stories are going to. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the stores told me, like, why? Like, that boy was hiding pillows. <laughs> like, of all things, why pillows? It's the randomest things, but also probably it means something. The thing is, with her stories, you kind of have to, like, think about it and, like, let it simmer. And it will, one, like, at some point it will come to him, like, oh, that was the learning for that story. But I never thought... <laughs> Because when I read that line, I was like, well, you know, was she out for somebody? Like, you know, she already had this plan of killing someone. Yeah. And like, Perla Ortiz, a gangster? But then, you know, <laughs> it, it, I was stupid in thinking that it was something to that effect because of how all the previous stories had gone. Like, there's always going to... It's, it's not that type of story. Like, it's But you a, never know. It's a deep... All of them were that way, though. I think I was hoping for it, you know, to kind of like, kind of be different, like the a per- totally different. That Perla's a gangster. <laughs> but then I realized I'm like, no, there's a way that she's writing this story. These stories are not totally, you know, going to go from one angle to another mm-hmm. angle. Like, this is just the life that these people live in this city. Yep. In Denver. Um, but this this story talks about this um, elderly woman who. Mm-hmm whose granddaughter is asking that, you know, she... She's not really asking. She's telling her, <laughs> she's telling we're going to move you to a, a living assisted community Facility. because, yep. you know, of what just happened, what just took place. Mm-hmm. You know, someone just broke into your home. It's not safe. We need to get you out of there. Yeah. And apparently, she, ever since she's been... From the day one... Day one, they got her married. her and her <laughs> husband got married, someone has always broken into this home. Yeah, and... You, you'll see in the story, like, how they tried to preserve the home and how they tried to stay there. Like, they tried to put up, like, planks to cover up um, the window, like, metal grills to cover, like, the outside windows, too. Um, so it's kind of, like, a symbolism for me of, like, how they tried to preserve their their culture and what they are. From, like, all the people that are trying to invade um, their community. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like putting up walls, making sure that, you know, they stay to themselves. Because it, where, unfortunately, where these Native Americans are staying is the most dangerous place in all of, in all of Colorado, I guess, in this story. Mm -hmm. So, of all places, like, you've been here this long, and yet the place where you're staying is trash. And yet these white people are coming in and they always stay in the nicer areas of the neighborhood. Like, why? How? But that's the narrative mm-hmm. of America. Mm-hmm. But so Al- Alana comes in there and she's like, Grandma, we're moving you to this saint something 
um, facility for this independent elderly women. And in her head, she's like, mm, they can't just say widow, huh? <laughs> and they're like, or, you know, like, you know, abandoned widow um, women or people. So when they got in there, they were looking at... Um, like the layout. Yeah, the layout, the color and everything. And she was like, so where do I put all my stuff? Because it's a small room and it's basically like stripping everything, your identity, your like treasures, your trash, all of you to be put in into this facility that you don't know nobody mm-hmm. and you're alone. And then they, but they pretend that they have activities and they do stuff for you. Yeah. And you know, it was the tour guide is telling her, well, you know, we were basically trying to help you all separate yourself from worldly materialistic things. Mm-mm. When in general, that all boils down to is that when you die, someone else is going to move into this place. We don't have time to be messing around trying yep. to get your shit out of here. Yep. I mean, that's essentially what it is. Like, mm-hmm. we don't need uh, you to bring a whole house into this one space that will only be occupied for, you know, God knows how long. And that's what they do in gentrification. They put up apartments in houses that used to be there where people lived for ages. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, those people come and go. It's kind of like their story of how it's happening outside of her own little bubble and also to herself. Mm -hmm. And there was a a line then, there was like, you know, they were gathering up all her, all her clothing, all her pictures and stuff. I'm like, oh, these are also my, you know, these are trash, but also my most prized possessions. Mm -hmm. Because that's, that's where she lives. Even, even the outside of her house, as you can see, it's not the best type of neighborhood. But that is hers. That is her house. Literally the only thing that she owns, that she owes to her name. Mm -hmm. And yet it's being taken away from her to live in this assisted living facility. And she fought it, you know, she fought it as long as she could until she had the incident of, you know, waking up in the middle of the night. There's this guy who's trying to break in, who has already broken into the house. Cody. Going into her basement and, um... You know, he goes to turn around, and she thinks that it's a knife that he has. You mm-hmm. know, like, it's a knife. She has a gun that she bought after they had the first break-in in their home. Mm-hmm. And her husband said, you know, like, if you're going to use it, you know, you just got to know what you're doing with yeah. this gun. If, if she, he said, if you aim it, be Make ready. Sure to shoot. Be ready to shoot. And um, that's what she ended up doing. She ended up shooting the person who broke into her home but she thought she was aiming for their leg. She ends up killing this person. Mm-hmm. And um, when, you know, she overhears the detectives talking about the person that they found, he actually had a gun on him when she thought that it was a knife. Yep. So I think for her, it was just kind of like, oh, shit. Like, you know, I'm trying to protect this person from, you know, not not dying. dying. <laughs> I'm almost guilty you know, for killing this person. And then finding out that he had a gun and he was going to kill her. As well. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, it's the the danger of of what it was that she was having to endure of living in this neighborhood and her Alone. granddaughter is like, We can't we can't do this. Her granddaughter was kinda a little bit annoying. She was pushy. She was basically like <sighs> she she came out, out of out of Galapago. 
and was like, I'm going to make something better of myself. She also doesn't have any parents. Mm-hmm. She grew up with her grandparents. Yeah, because her, grand- her parents died from what, hepatitis B, B, A? One of the hepatitises. Yeah. Her mom died from hepatitis and her dad died from HIV. Yep. So clearly there probably were like drug addicts. And it probably was maybe during the height of the 80s and it was just really bad. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's how her parents passed away. And so she's forced to go and live with her grandparents. Mm -hmm. And um, they talk about, you know, the emotions that it seemed like her granddaughter was hiding at such a young age she was like I wanted her to hear her grandfather crying but you know she made noise so that her granddaughter couldn't hear her husband crying because he just lost his daughter Mm -hmm. Um, you know and so she she sees that in her grown up self and her granddaughter unable to really show emotion yep nothing Um, she's like hard as a brick mm -hmm. and to me also like I know it's it's a lot to ask um but that's basically your only family mm-hmm. so putting somebody in a nursing home or assisted living facility without them you know wanting to do it really hurts my heart it's one of those things I've always thought about always because my parents were much older uh, when they had me, my mom was in her forties. Both my parents were in their forties when they had me. So, for me, thinking about death came early because I'm like, my parents could die at any time. You know, like mm-hmm. when I'm ten, they're fifty, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. As I get older, and now, you know, fortunately, my mom is still living. She's in her eighties, but it's still something that I think about all of the time of what it would be not only to lose her. I lost, I lost my father. Um, but I think for me, it would be something different to lose my mom, mm-hmm. uh, because of the relationship being so close. So I often think about like what that would be like when that day comes, if that day comes, cause I could die before her. And then I also think about what it would be like when I become older, am I going to be, you know, that, that aunt that my nieces and nephews have to put into the living facilities will mm-hmm. you know or will they have me come and live with them or will I just be living out my days wherever I am you know it's those things that I think about mm-hmm. at my age now that I am 40 so you know to read this particular story on you know having this conversation between this granddaughter and this grandmother like I understood what the grandmother was feeling because she was like this is my home, you know, like every now and then somebody breaks in, but still, (laughs) you know, it's my home. I think it just didn't hit her until the fact that she, until the point where she had to actually use her gun Mm -hmm. and, and actually, you know, fire it and shoot someone. It reminds Um, you so much of like my, my grandparents mm -hmm. because they had to stay in their house Mm -hmm. until they're older. And I think about the same thing for my husband's parents as well because they're not young Mm -hmm. but that's one of like my husband's mom said you know until the day that I die I'm gonna be in this house Mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense for you know somebody like us I'm like but why you know you don't understand it but if you put yourself in their shoes it's like I'm I'm not living you will have I have to be dead for me to leave my house and it I I understand it because it's one of those things of when you find yourself having to go and reside in someone else's home, mm-hmm. 
it seems as if it's a marker of the end. You know, like you're no longer able to be your independent self that Mm -hmm. now you have to exist in a home that doesn't belong to you in which you really don't have a lot of say in Mm -hmm. at that point because it's not your home. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it is is a hard thing when you are met with that part of your life of growing older Mm -hmm. and all of things that come with it because, you know, your body could shut down at any moment for any anything. Mm-hmm. You could have a stroke, you have a heart attack. And so, you know, at, to be at that age, especially if you are, like, the character in this story, you know, a widow, mm-hmm. you are like, well, how does that play for me? You know, she probably was thinking that I can be able to live an independent life here in my home. Yep. Why do I have to go to a place where I can't even take my own... My own stuff. My own treasures with me. Yep. Yeah. Trash so. treasures. And she was at the end and was just like, well, I'm going to die anyway. Might as well, you know, start. Start getting rid of it now. Yeah. So it's basically just give, like, almost kind of like giving the power up. Cause she she then realizes the power is not for hers anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, she's not, not to want that anymore. Mm-hmm. So... The story I chose um, was, I always keep forgetting the name of it, even though I re- I just finished reading this book today. Ghost Sickness. Ghost Sickness was about um, this young woman who's a college student, and she's living with her boyfriend, and the boyfriend has, has not come home for a while, a few days. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's in she's it starts off with her being in in class and listening to a professor to this white lady talk about what it was to live in the west when gold was a thing for Colorado she's telling this story and you know she's going through all of these these history lessons this history review mm-hmm. and for the main character of the story she has to make sure that she passes this class because if she doesn't she'll lose her scholarship yeah. and won't be able to continue on with school and her mom you know is like texting her throughout this this class period asking her if she'd come over for dinner she's been trying to get in contact with her daughter's boyfriend but he has not responded so we learn to find out that the boyfriend is actually a childhood friend that she grew up with mm-hmm. uh, that moved in next door and um, they end up you know dating later on in life but the mother even though she was kind of bothered by the fact that she was moving in with someone that she wasn't married with you can't check up if you're not married <laughs> right you learn um, that the mother has a strong attachment to um, to the boyfriend because she's known him ever since he was a child and so we soon find out that he has issues with drug and alcohol abuse mm-hmm. and um, the the character Anna is afraid to tell the mother you know like her boyfriend has gone missing again because the mother will take off from work and go look at all the different places all the bars all the hotel yep. rooms Very that he normally would frequent to find him um, there's a point in the story where he calls her but doesn't say anything on the phone. She knows that it's him. Mm-hmm. She just wants him to come home. And then she just is like, well, rent is due. It's it's coming up. And, you know, that's, that's as much as of the contact that you have <laughs> with him. I think the 
part of the story that resonated with me the most was when she finds herself back at in class mm-hmm. and they're having their another review over the material and she's asking the teacher you know about like well what about this part you know did we have a drought wasn't there a drought in like I don't remember the year like 1800 something Mm -hmm. and the teacher is annoyed but the way that she writes the way the teacher is annoyed because she she is asked a question by another student so when she's asked a question by um one girl it says that she touches her the in-between of her forehead and I'm like, that's her being annoyed. She's like, you know, like you have a headache, so you're touching your forehead. But when Anna asks her a question, she kind of like gets quiet. She looks down at her wrist. She's messing with her her watch. And I know that feeling of like, I'm so annoyed. These children don't pay attention. And she's like, you need to pay attention. We are past that part. We're we talking about on. something else. <laughs> but it's just so subtle of like she reaches down and she's messing with her wristwatch and it's like I know that move I know those mannerisms of someone who is showing their annoyance by fixing their clothes and messing mm-hmm. with their face um and then later on she's she's like oh I'm she tells this story uh about um ghost sickness which is when someone deals with trauma they you know breakdown they start having hallucinations mm-hmm. and a student asks is this going to be a part of the test and the teacher is like no um you know not really i might put it on there as for um extra, Ex- credit extra credit to talk about the native american the navajo myths is what she says um and it is in that moment where you realize like she really does not talk about Native Americans in this history class that deals with America in the West. Yep. And that that is only just an extra credit point question when it should be the entire test, right? Huh. So you can tell, like, she's making a statement with just the mention of what the material is being covered on this test mm-hmm. that Native American culture is just a side note it's just the extra credit question. It's not what is important that needs to be known. It's considered a myth. She's saying all of these things so subtly, but you mm-hmm. know it's like she's driving home a point. Yep. That but it's, it's it, the erasure of the culture. It's not important. Right. It, you know, it's a myth. It doesn't mm-hmm. exist. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost kind of saying, like, these people also don't exist. That's why I feel like when she asked that question, wasn't there a drought, da-da-da, so dismissive. Mm-hmm. And, s- like, so easily, like, turned down. And after that, she was just kind of like, okay, I guess this is how I stand in this class. Mm-hmm. Or maybe in this area. Mm-hmm. Or in life general. In general. But it, what we find out um, with Anna and her boyfriend Clifton is the fact that, you know, Clifton... She thinks that she sees him coming home mm-hmm. in his truck. He's coming around this really dangerous part of a mountain that they that they live in, and she could see the truck. And all of a sudden, a bear kind of like steps in way of the truck. The truck falls off the side of the mountain. Yep, falls off. Falls and off the, the next mountain. thing we know, she is we flash for it, and she's in class getting ready to take the test, and she's not doing well on this test. No, not at, at all. all. 
but she goes to the back page where the extra credit question is. What was the question? Uh, to tell about the origin myth yeah. of the uh, of the Navajo. She said for a full le- for a full letter grade increase in detail describe the origin myth of the Navajo people. And then we know like she's going to ace this test. Right, she's gonna be able to get that letter in um, upgrade and not worry about failing this. When we are then pushed back into the past, and the conversation is happening between her and her boyfriend, and she's asking him to tell her a story, and it is the answer to yep. to the test question. Um, this one I think resonated with me the most simply because it talked about the erasure of the people and how easily it's done and how easily it's just swept under manipulated mm-hmm. that to, to make it seem just... as if it's not important at all to the foundation that is America mm-hmm. um, it is a, a wonderful book end to the short stories that she's like the beginning and the end I think hit home on those on that idea of like you're talking about the erasure of people because the very first story in the book deals with a little boy playing and he discovers that there are bones that have you know that he finds in the dirt <laughs> in his backyard or in some his, sort. yeah and you know it's it is bones that um that of uh native americans that have lived in that area for a long long time a long long time ago um, and it is basic. I think it's like a grave, a grave, a grave site that eventually gets covered back over because the people are like, you know, we don't want you digging up our bodies. Mm-hmm. They're they're buried for a reason. Leave them be. Um, and I think that's another thing that's interesting when you're talking about how people dig up anthropologists. You know, going out and digging up bodies, and then you just see them on display. You can go to the museum and you see mummies, mummies, and you know artifacts, and but mainly like this is the body of this person that lived a thousand years ago, and it's just like for science. You know, what do you what what is it for us to just like live in peace and die in peace and and be that way? I think for for them, it's mostly like curiosity. Because to me, like, you know, if I was, like, being really mean or, like, evil-minded towards them, I'd be like, probably they couldn't believe that there are, there there used to be a civilization before them. So they that, they got to dig it up, um, exploit these, you know, these bodies, these, like, skeletons for people to see. So they can be like, oh, you know, we can learn from them. Air coats. And... <laughs> You know, we can be like, oh, there's this and that that existed. But I also sometimes question, like, what is really the purpose? Why can't you just say that, oh, before, you know, there there has been this discoveries and respect, like, the graveyards. Why does it always have to be, like, opening it up and, like, making sure that, you know, we are the first one that discovered these people? Mm-hmm. Like, some... It, it bothers me a little bit because I feel like there is some sort of exploitation happening. There is exploitation happening. So, but also, there's also some parts in my mind, I'm like, oh, if not for these assholes, I wouldn't know, like, what people would look like. Like, how the past looked like. 
but is it really important to know it like or see it to believe it or can I you just it, like go with like stories and like just you know we have we know that these are here i think it points out the fact that you know a lot of the times they're pulling up people who are dead and no longer there and the people there are no no traces of them you know after that because they've come in and killed all of these people mm-hmm. So, you know, they come in, they kill everything, they come in, they gentrify everything, and then they wait thousands or hundreds of years later to say, oh, this is what happened during this time, you know, before <laughs> before we came here, when in actuality it's like, these people are no longer here because you killed them. Yeah. But now you get to display their clothes in your museums and make money off of folk coming in and visit them. Yeah. You know, it's like, to me... It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't balance out. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and so I think that is part of the reason why she chose those two stories to be the the front and the end yeah. of this of this um, book to deal with the subject of death and the, the subject of erasure of people and um, the erasure of culture. Almost seemed like you know they they were there to exist in a museum somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, we're only for display. We're only, you know... For their amusement, mm-hmm. for their enlightenment, and um, that's not that's not how it should be, you know? Like, we shouldn't, shouldn't fly to England to go to a museum to see what artifacts and um, art and other things that they have stolen from mm-hmm. other places in which those things should be. Like, if something was in South Africa, and you go to South Africa, and you steal it, and you put it in your museum, and say, look at what it is that we have for you to see and learn from, it's like, uh, I think you're doing that wrong. (laughs) I think you got your shit backwards. (laughs) But yeah, so, kudos to this writer. This was a really good um, book for us to read. Yeah, it it was... um, I knew it would when i i've always wanted to read this book um first and foremost because the the cover was banging yeah but um there was something about her writing about you know the integration of even like cuz most of the characters here too are biracial mm-hmm. so you know she she basically is approaching this story of like okay now we're all mixed we've we've been i guess integrated and you know our culture has been penetrated by all of these other people how do we how do we live from that like mm-hmm. how do we move on forward or how do we look back and like learn from the past mm-hmm. so i i wasn't afraid about you know oh would this book be like good or bad i was kind of like afraid that i would be faced with something that i couldn't shake off like oh my god like i couldn't unsee the injustices and I'm just like I'm gonna live a miserable life I'm just always gonna be mad and I can't live like that at some point you just gotta be like you know what we got you know because I have a hard time doing that like looking past something that is wrong Mm -hmm. but I think that's why we have to read books to learn and so we could be better and not be hateful or like score like you know just to be like mad for just being mad speak for yourself because i stay mad (laughs) 
I stay mad. I stay mad because this is the same shit that continues to happen. I can't let it go. I haven't let it go. Well, I know you haven't let it go, but I mean, I can't. That's why I'm still... That's the, like, the Libra in me. Like, I can't let it go, but also I gotta sleep at night. I got, I, I got a baby. I gotta be a human being. But it's always there, and it's bothering me so much. So much. Yeah, I think, um, like, as far as I'm, I'm concerned, I'm gonna stay mad because I know that there's work that has to be done, and we have to do that work. You know, for the people who can sleep easy at night, those are the people who are choosing not to do the work. Those are the people who are choosing, you know, to ignore it. And I think what writers like Kali and other people are choosing to do is I'm going to present material to you, even though it might be fiction to you. It's not fiction. It's to not me. fiction to me. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like this. These are the moments that I have known somebody to go through that I may have experienced myself. And I'm going to share that with you in this in this story form to make it to where it piques your interest so much so that you go out and you do the research for yourself to figure out, like, is this stuff still happening? Yes, if it's it happening, how can I, you know, not be the problem, be part of the problem, and help the problem be, you know, eviscerated from this planet? Mm-hmm. You know, those are the things that we need. And that's the that's the beauty of reading any any material that you have that's written by people of color. Yep. Because we're always going to you know, weave those moments, weave those things, those experiences into yeah. our stories. We cannot, we, there, you can't write a book without, without those moments in them. No, it, it, what, I think that's what makes it really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. And that's why also, shout out to the National Book Awards. Oh, yeah. Um, cause, you know, going back, she, she was a National Book Award finalist, mm-hmm. and I think she deserves, she deserves that that mark, that seal, that title, because she did it so wonderfully. Mm-hmm. Um, but also going back to the National Book Awards, the books that I picked for this year, finalists, long list, like it was, it was amazing. Um, we've seen more diverse choices this year, I think, more than any other year. Um, also, it is it is amazing to see that most of the people that won are people of color. I mean, I think all, all the, of them that won the, this year, all of them that won this year were people of color. And I think it's been a long time coming, but change is happening, and we gotta we gotta look at that. We got to look at that and be like, you know, more awareness to these books, more awareness to diversity, more awareness to stories that that need to be told that are mostly that are being tried to be erased from this planet. And kudos to Lisa Lucas, who was the director of the National Book Award Foundation for the last, uh, I want to say, maybe four years. Um, She's moving on uh, to... um, I can't think of the name of the publishing company. It starts with a P, but she's moving on to a new publishing company that she's going to be working with. Uh, so this was her last year, but she has been monumental in, you know, making sure that people of color are seen and heard. Mm-hmm. And um, she had a diverse group of judges 
throughout the, the last few years and they brought us some good stuff to read and they had to read I think what it was a thousand books 1600 over each category so that's a lot of that's and, a lot of reading in a year and because it's a time of pandemic there's it's not a, a copy of a book they said they mostly had to read it um, electronically mm-hmm. so I can't do it they're barely finishing one but they they did an amazing job bringing us some really good solid choices and um, I can't wait to see what gets picked next year. I mm-hmm. hope that the choices that we pick throughout the, the year of 2021 ends up on that list. So we can be like, look what we did. See, that's why I'm mad. To- Tokyo. <clears throat> let, let, I just need to say this. Okay. <laughs> Tokyo Ueno Station was supposed to be my pick for that. Like, um, Was it supposed to be your birthday? Month? No. It was supposed... That was my original pick. That was the first one that I chose that was supposed to be um, the Reader's Choice pick. Oh, yeah. But I was like, oh, you know, it just came out. It just got translated. And I'm like, it's too serious. But I, I wanted to be, like, light and funny and, like, lighthearted. Look where we ended up wearing a trash book. <laughs> so I apologize to Toko Ueno Station you're telling me just to follow my guts and stick stick to what is good. Because <laughs> you won, girlfriend. You did. You did that. You did that. So congratulations to you and to all the other winners. And um, we hope that even um, if you do celebrate Thanksgiving, that you all did it safely um, yes. in the comfort of the home with the people who you live with. <laughs> And not with the multitude of people that you're staying safe, that you're wearing masks, that you're you washing wash, your hands. Washing your hands. And stop using costumes of Native American people for anything else. If you're not Native American, drop it. <laughs> so there okay? you go. Your PSA message for November. <laughs> um, but on that note, we want to say thank you. We, we have um, two more podcasts left for you this year. Uh, one of which year. is Lovecraft Country. And uh, yeah, so on that note, we say goodbye, good morning, farewell, good night, wherever you are in the world. Be safe, stay safe, um, treasure family. Um, yeah, have a happy holiday. Bye bye. Bye. Wash your hands. We hope you enjoyed our show. Follow us on Instagram at Vulgar Geniuses Book Club. Our theme song was produced by Sean Kantrowitz. Follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Sean Dammit. That's spelled S-E-A-N-D-A-M-M-I-T. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. See you next time. Deuces.